Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hello and welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi and I've got Josie Schneider with me today. Hey everybody. Yeah. And it you you are Josie, not Josie. Is yes. that right? Yes. I have to correct I have to always be very conscious because my daughter Josie, we're very picky. <laughs> and it bugs me when people say Josie. It yes. I thought but I remembered you saying that you are Josie. It is Josie, but you know <laughs> I Got over that yeah. hump about twenty years ago because she there was no is winning too. But I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I guess um, not a big deal. So Josie and I are going to talk about a quote by um, Carol Garhart Mooney from the book Theories of Practice, which is wonderful. The book, the whole book, is really good. Um, but in particular, the the very opening piece of the book is really making the case for people who work with young children to sort of accept the idea that there is specialized knowledge we need to have to do the job well. So the quote is, um, we might enjoy riding in antique cars or looking at them in a museum, but such interest and enjoyment do not make us antique auto mechanics. There you go. Hard to argue. (laughs) (laughs) But when I read this, I thought, I think Lisa Murphy says, you know, like, I love to look at architecture and pretty buildings, but it doesn't make me an architect. And And that's true. Same lines. And and so the first thing that came to mind for me and just from talking before we started recording, I think, uh, Josie, this is the true for you, too, was that the people who come into the work because they, quote unquote, like kids and and that's really all they have to offer. (laughs) Um. I, I, when I was, a, I'll let you talk in a minute, I promise. But when I was a center director, um, and I'm sure people have heard this story before, um, but that really just drove me bonkers. If I, because one of the, the standard interview questions was, you know, what, why are you interested in this job? And almost everybody answered with, I just really love kids. And I would say something like, what does that mean? Or what does that look like? Or, tell me why and just try to get them to go deeper and some could and some were just absolutely thrown by that challenge like it should just be enough that I like them why do you why are you asking a follow-up question about that um so so it's sort of a trigger (laughs) no and you know I think about um when I was in college getting my degree fresh out of high school and I spent high school working in a daycare center so you know I'd I'd had some experience and that's why I went into early childhood because I did like kids Uh so I mean it should be a starting place but it should also be obvious you should not be applying for these jobs if you don't like children now granted I've met some um some women in the field who do not like children. And I think, what the hell are you doing in this classroom? Right. But it, it's just not enough. You right. have to be able to go deeper than that. And full disclosure, I came into the field because I liked kids too. And because they were, I thought they were cute and funny and they liked me. And there was mm-hmm. something that I needed that I got out of that. Um, and then it just so happened that once I was in the field, 
I was presented with opportunities to think more deeply <laughs> and to see it as a field. And, um, and it turns out I really did like kids. I think you, you know, you're just, you just mentioned people who, who don't seem to like kids and maybe they don't know that until they're with groups of children <laughs> all day, every day. Um, but they don't always admit that to themselves. <laughs> once yes. That starts to become yes. the case. Um, and, and that was a lot of times the answers I got from the people who did go deeper were, were things like they'd say funny things or, well, it just makes me feel good <laughs> when they hug me and, you know, or they want to sit on my lap. And it was all very much about what the adult gets out of it. Well, and that's and to that extent, I really do agree with the quote, because if that is it for you, what are you going to do that first day that... Um, things are just complete and total chaos and kids are fighting, things are being thrown, things are getting broken, someone tells you they don't like you. Uh If your self-worth in the job is dependent on them being cute (laughs) and sweet and making you feel good, you've got nothing at that point. Right. Exactly. And I used to, you know, one of the other follow-ups was sometimes, well, what if, if they said, I like kids, I just like kids. I'd say, well, what about kids who bite? What about kids who swear? What about the ones who call you bitch? You know, <laughs> and just get it all right out there in the open. Um, and even, I mean, those are tough questions for even the the ones who do really get it and have been in the field, and you know. But for the ones who just saw the ad and thought this would be fun work or whatever, they don't get much further. Well, <laughs> no, because the fact is. You aren't going to like what every child is doing Mm -hmm. every moment of the day. Uh But if you have a little bit of specialized knowledge and you understand why, if you can go deeper and look at why is this three-year-old showing this behavior right now, Uh you can get past the I like it, I don't like it, Uh and focus on how to help them. And that's where the specialized knowledge is helpful. Right. So sort of... Um, that uh, just even a really basic knowledge of development. Exactly. Um, it I... doesn't have to be, you know, that you know every reason why, but you understand that there could be a reason. <laughs> exactly. Behind the development. And yeah. you don't, you don't need to go to college for four years to know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to come back to college. I'm going to make a note of that. Hold on. <laughs> um, but I, so I've been, because th- I just finished, as you know, and lots of other folks know, I just finished this year-long training to be a training trainer with zero to three uh, to do training. How many times can I work training into a sentence <laughs> for people who work with infants and toddlers? And I feel really strongly about it because, um, one, that's the age group that I feel like I fit best with. Um, but also that's the age group I see people really being uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I've seen people put their quote unquote least qualified staff in the infant room because, you know, all you have to do is feed them and change their diapers and whatever. Um, but but I've seen real fear, like um, when babies are crying um, or because toddlers maybe don't talk to you. <laughs> I see fear in the face. Um, but if you understand that they cry for a reason and it's communication and your job is to understand it and figure out why and not just to stop it, that can be job changing. Like mm-hmm. just that one little piece of knowledge um, uh, 
can can change everything i think for a person so imagine uh you know going out and seeking lots of knowledge <laughs> <laughs> and how that could really impact your day-to-day work and your own stress level and your own sort of happiness as you go through your day um so it's it's the right thing for children to have some of that knowledge if you have put yourself in a position to care for them but it's also a right thing for you as an adult in the field it will ultimately make your job easier it's hard to see though that's a hard sell i say that so often to people but but i i say it because i've experienced it um once you like i think about when i first started my first own classroom where i was the lead teacher it was a group of two-year-olds and uh I was so excited to be a teacher and I was all about the lesson plans and the wall displays and all that kind of stuff. Um, But I was basically trying to take things I'd seen in preschool rooms Mm -hmm. and and do that with the two-year-olds and it wasn't working and I was blaming the two-year-olds. Because you didn't really understand what a two-year-old needed. Exactly. And then I got, you know, a book at a teaching store one day that I just accidentally stumbled across that talked about areas of development. And, and what two-year-olds need at each stage and I was like oh my gosh this is gonna be so much more fun now and lo it was <laughs> so I just I just remember that feeling and so it's always difficult for me when people are resistant mm-hmm. to to learning more or to accepting that maybe there's more that they could could learn do you think some of that has to do with and as, as much as I dislike the whole no better, do better quote. Do you think some of it has so much though? Yeah. I, okay. I yeah. like it. I, I, it's, I feel like it sometimes gets taken out of context. Sure. Yeah. Um, but that's another, that's a whole other episode. That, that, okay. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> um, do you think it has something to do with that, that it's that almost fear of failure before they even begin? Like if I learn this, then I have to put more effort oh. into it. Yes, that could be part of it. Or if I if I admit there is something to learn, then I might have to admit that something I'm doing now is wrong exactly. or I shouldn't do it. Yeah, I definitely think that's part of it. Um, I've thought about ego before in terms of um, not wanting to admit that I need to change anything, but I hadn't mm-hmm. really thought about fear of failure. That could be the perfectionist in me projecting, uh-huh. but... Um... Well, I'm sure there are others out there, Josie. <laughs> You're not the only perfectionist <laughs> in this conversation. <laughs> I'm just a really lazy perfectionist, so exactly. people don't always notice it, but it's there. <laughs> well, but, you know, for some people, I think that that word lazy is part of it, too. Oh, sure. It's just, you know, I think there are some people that just don't care enough to... Yeah. To take the time to learn more. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, um, trying to decide how much lead up I need to give to this question, (laughs) because there is just an assumption in our culture, certainly, maybe in others, I don't know, this is the only one I'm living in, um, that women just naturally know how to do things with kids. And so there's that element of it that most of us working in early childhood are women. And so we feel like we should just know it all already. I think that's true. And... Um, you know, I think about 
before I became a mother, I just assumed that because I was good at my job in early childhood, that I would be an excellent mother in every way and it would be easy. And I I think that can be applied to the field too. Just women, we, yeah, we, we think sometimes that we should just be caregivers and we should walk into the room and know what to do right away. Yeah. I mean, that was also another common interview answer was, well, you know, I've raised four children or I had seven cousins or something, you know. <laughs> um, and and I don't want to ever poo-poo somebody's motherhood experience, of course. No. It's hard work and, and we no. all learn it as we go. But I do think that there's maybe that's not so much uh, – it's sort of subconscious. Like that's part of that fear of failure. Mm-hmm. I'm a woman and I'm supposed to be good at taking care of children. Yeah. And and what if I'm not? And <laughs> what does that mean then? Maybe that's just a big mm-hmm. question our brains are afraid to crack open. <laughs> that went a little that's, deeper than I thought. <laughs> I was saying, and that and that is probably a, a three or four different podcasts. Right <laughs> we'll get to all of those eventually. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about college and degrees for a minute. Let's um because so I've been in the field for almost 30 years, but I just got my undergraduate, my bachelor's degree two years ago. Um, and I spent most of my career denying that I needed a piece of paper to prove that I could do the work I'd already been doing. Um, and, and now I'm sort of on the other side where I feel like if we're going to try to professionalize our field, then of course we have to have some standards and, but I, but I go around and around because, um, I, I don't feel like the degree made me a better teacher. I feel like I was a good student because of the work I'd already been doing, but that includes reading and learning and all going to trainings and, and, and that's why I was able to, to do well in school. And I don't know that anything in my coursework prepared me really for the real world of childcare. And, and that, and that is true. It, it, it is a, it is a sore subject. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, granted, like I said, I, worked in daycares throughout high school. So I had a little bit of experience, but, you know, I went into college and I actually, I was fortunate enough to have a pretty good early childhood program. Um, I, I know they're out there. I, I just know that there's was, a lot of them that aren't preparing it, it us was, for that. It was not perfect. It was not perfect. And, you know, when I got into the classes that were geared towards K3, uh-huh. um, which is which is most people that went into the program, that's what they wanted to do. They yeah. wanted to be a kindergarten teacher, and you had to you had to do early childhood to get that certification. Yeah, that's good. Now, I, it, it, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. And, and I, but I was always more interested in the preschool side. I knew that for a while I would have to teach elementary school just to um, pay off college because, <laughs> yes. well, you, you know how that, you know how that yes, goes yes. too. But um, I actually had a good program, but um, – I think about my coursework, and I'm glad I had all the theory that I did, uh-huh. um, but it didn't prepare me to be in the classroom. <laughs> Being in the classroom is the only thing that can prepare you to be in the classroom. Yes, that's right. And and I think as I talk to, as I work in, in early childhood programs, and as I talk to people who work in, like, child care centers or homes, um, 
the biggest questions I get and the most requested training topic I get is helping kids with their behavior. And mm-hmm. that's like not even really addressed in in any of the courses that I've been through. Even the course that was like supposed to be about guidance was not necessarily about guidance. And the parts that were were, um, you know, behaviorist kinds of things yes. that aren't yeah. really in, in, in nothing about social emotional development. And so when I when I invent my college and do it all over <laughs> – there's going to be a whole practicum that's just social emotional development. And, and we're all going to come work for you. And, and it's going to be oh fantastic. God, wouldn't that be fun? Yes. Let's do that. Okay. No, I'm trying to think my, hopefully we there's had... a rich person listening <laughs> who wants to get us started. <laughs> Let us know. Yes. Email me Heather at that early childhood nerd.com. Okay. <laughs> now that I think about it, my behavior management class we had one sem- one semester of it, and it was anybody in the education program, including people teaching high school social studies. Oh boy, yeah. You know, so it was it was very basic. Yeah. But they all, but we were also out in the classrooms um, our sophomore year oh, on up. So that was really? that was yeah. nice. Yeah, we were in there. We were in classrooms very early. So yeah, that's good. Um. I mean, the, the other side of it is, you know, part of the reason that it took me so long, because I am a person who likes to learn and to be a student most of the time. Um, I would have gone to college much earlier than I had, could than I did if, um, well, if it had been required. None of the positions sure. I had been in for all of those years required a degree until I became a center director in an accredited center. And mm-hmm. um, But also I couldn't, you know, I had two kids. My husband at the time was a grad student. Um, for almost a decade and Mm -hmm. there was no way I was going to pay to go to school and then get out and work, you know, an $8 an hour job. You don't, you don't make it, you don't make enough money to make it worth it. Yeah. So, so what are we, what are we going to do, Josie? How are we going to solve it? If we think they need this specialized knowledge, but we understand that a college degree maybe isn't the answer. This is going to go around and around and around. You know, I think about. Real quick, before I get into that, I was I was just going to say my my mom was in the same position as you. She um was a dental hygienist who was asked to help start a preschool at her church, and she's like, "Well, I've always been good with kids, okay, you know." And it and she was very, I mean, she just intuitively uh-huh. she understands children. She did a wonderful job. She found found herself as the director, and then all of a sudden she needed that degree. So it was a very similar career path to you. Uh And I will say, I get really angry when people fresh out of college are like, well, I know how to do a director job better than a director Uh because I have a degree. And I think there's no way in hell I could have fresh out of school, (laughs) 22 years old, been, and then that's not fair. I'm sure there are some people that can do it very well, but (laughs) I was not one of them. I was going to say to do it as well as my mother, who didn't have any call, well, she did eventually, yeah. but you know, yeah, it didn't for so long, you know. But that experience cannot be replaced by a college degree; right. it just can't. Which, which reminds me of a uh, it was in it was in an article I was reading for one of my classes actually, and I don't remember anything about it except this quote. It was something like, um, "You can be a teacher with thirty years of experience, or you can be a teacher with thirty years of the same, ex- like thirty one year of experience thirty times." Mm-hmm. Was the other way of saying it. So I 
while while for me it worked and for your mom it works it seems to have you know to to be in the field and to be learning and growing but that's not the case for everyone again i wouldn't say just because someone has been doing it for 20 years that automatically means that they that they know what they're doing it, so, exactly and it does so we're in this it, weird position <laughs> well and i think if not everybody's going to college then i know people hate continuing ed but those trainings are so important yeah. Because that is how we reach people in the field. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with that 100%. And I think I, uh, uh, I, I see people, like here at least, we have the state conference and we used to have a local NACI chapter that did monthly workshops. And it was really a big thing. And now the, the state conference attendance has been dropping and that local chapter, despite having two universities in town with early childhood programs, we can't keep uh, a local Macy chapter going, even just for networking purposes. So I don't know what, what exactly the deal is, but um, maybe it's just because they have a social or internet, you know, online options to do all that kind of stuff. But but I think you're right. That's where we we reach and we can coach and and try to. I guess light fires <laughs> for the specialized edu- or specialized knowledge we're talking about. Because it would it would be nice if everyone would be willing to go pick up a book, but yeah, but not everybody is. Yeah, and so and we <laughs> and I, we have to go ahead. <laughs> I say we have to reach our teachers where they're at. Mm-hmm. On one level, I, I I know that, but whenever I say to somebody, I have an article or a book, and they're like, I'm not much of a reader. I'm like, I don't know how to continue that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> but you're right we have to figure that's, out that's where you have staff meetings and you force them to read it <laughs> yes with with an assignment to to be done in the staff meeting so that you know they really read it yeah um what else did you talk about that I wanted to get back to a minute um well you talked about when you were talking about your mom how she just kind of intuitively knew some of the things that she needed I do think that that's a big piece of it like some people just are good fits and they are. Um, and can do really well without a whole lot of specialized training, I guess, to continue using the same language. But I think if you can't just stay there. No, but like, and, you know, I think her path is very similar to yours. Mm-hmm. The way she taught 20 years ago is not the way <laughs> she teaches now. Right. Um, I mean, they played, but it was, you know, it was still very traditional uh-huh. preschool and um just in the past 10 years the program as she's learned more about play-based education just the way the program has expanded in that area has been phenomenal so i mean it has even though she intuitively was good at her job she still she still grew she still, grew. she yeah. still learned yeah yeah i um none of us can be stagnant and expect to do, yeah do the right things for kids i don't think so uh, the the preschool that I'm in now, every day I have five graduate students working with us in the in the classroom, and they're all um, uh, studying to be speech language pathologists. So they're graduate students in the speech language hearing sciences, um, and they don't have child development really training outside of speech and language, and they don't have early childhood anything. And as I was thinking about this, because it's you know I'm I'm new at the job, started in August. I was like, oh, all these things I'm going to have to train them. And every day I'm going to have to be coaching and 
planning for all these things that typically drive me crazy. Like when I work in childcare centers that are mostly um, people with no training are in the jobs or, um, you know, got their degree 30 years ago or have an elementary ed degree that maybe didn't give them any child development coursework mm-hmm. or practice or experience. Anyway, um, but but these these students, I, I I hardly have to do anything. Like they they interact so appropriately, and they ask such good questions, and they talk with the children so well, and they're respectful. And I think uh, the the difference really must just be that they're taking the job seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are being very intentional about what mm-hmm. they're doing, even if they haven't had that specific early childhood education training, if that makes sense. No, it does. So so I, I'm not saying that, um, you know, a college degree is worthless or training is, is not the... But, but I, I think at some point we have to say we need to up our expectations yeah. for the people we're putting well, in this work. We do. And I think, oh gosh, I think you said the key word there and that's intentional. Mm, I do love that word. (laughs) It it does not have to be a college degree, Mm -hmm. but you need to be intentional about growing in the field Mm -hmm. and learning more. Mm -hmm. And you can do that in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. However, like you said, if we're ever going to just stop getting warm bodies in the classroom <laughs> and viewing this as glorified babysitting, maybe there will have to be a push for more yeah. professional credits yes. and things like that. Yeah. And there's part of me that really, as I've said, really agrees with that. And I will always encourage someone if they have an opportunity to go to school, to go to school or, you know, to go to a conference or whatever. <laughs> but, um, but then there's part of me, too, that just thinks, but if you aren't working with other people who are on the same page and expecting that of you, it's going to be really hard. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean, that's where the intentionality comes in, because because it's going to be difficult sometimes. And you have to really make a decision that this is who I want to be. Mm-hmm. This is how I want to teach. This is what I think kids deserve. Because I I think, unfortunately, now this is going to be our bias, but yeah. we, we know we're right. So right, right. It's okay if it's the correct bias. (laughs) Sometimes with college, they're going and they're not learning what's really (laughs) developmentally appropriate. That's true. Or I think about um, a woman I taught with who was so proud of her CDA, but she was, she had no clue how to work with children. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's like, well, whoever taught you that doesn't know how children develop either. So, and, this is a whole other layer of, of challenge then because it like early childhood education where it depends so much on the adult who's in the room with children, regardless of the program setup or the philosophy with, if you go to college, it depends on the teachers you've mm-hmm. got, the, the, the classes that you have to take for that degree. If you're going to a training, it's the same thing. It's also dependent on, <laughs> like, again, I was listening to these grad students talk before the kids got there the other day. And they're, you know, turning in some reports and making revisions and then they turn it in and there were more revisions. And so they were, they were trying to, they were, you know, joking about like, I made the changes they wanted me to make and then it wasn't right still. And what does that mean? And 
somebody said, well, maybe they don't really know what it's supposed to be. And I was like, aha, there's the challenge challenge of college is you really have to trust that they know what they're talking about. That is true. So it's a big, I think it's a big problem. And I don't know what the answer is, but I think acknowledging that this specialized knowledge is a necessity. It is. The first piece of that problem solving and figuring out then okay so how in where am I individually right now am I do I have some of it do I have none of it how do I get more of it (laughs) how do I learn about antique car mechanicking Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know that could be for somebody the neighbor has an antique car that he works on all the time and you just Mm -hmm. go start hanging out with him a little bit or her (laughs) or her exactly um or it could be, you know, the community college has a class that I'll take. Yeah. And somebody has a cool podcast I'll listen to. <laughs> you know, it, once again, if you're intentional, there's there are so many different ways to get that, get that knowledge. Mm-hmm. I agree. I always have this uh, idea rattling around in my head about an article or a book or a workshop, something that looks at a typical childcare daily schedule and all the things that happen. So it's like, you know, getting there in the morning and separating from mom and dad and um, whatever the routine is, if there's a group mm-hmm. time and activity times and bathroom times and lunch times and all that, looking at each piece of it and then saying, okay, so what are we doing there that's in line with what Piaget says? Or what are we doing mm-hmm. there that's in line with what Vygotsky said or Eric Erickson says? Um, all those old, or Magda Gerber, you know, (laughs) Gerber, is that her name? Suddenly it was really wrong. Sounded wrong. Yeah, that's her name. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't it? Yeah. I think so. I was like, wait, no, that's baby food. But I think it's both. (laughs) I think it is. So anyway, I just think that would be really interesting, even just to have that conversation to break down a a typical day and see how it all fits in with all that developmental stuff that we learn that's in the first chapter of every textbook. (laughs) Uh, I have to look this up now just to make sure oh, we're to right. Make sure the right name. <laughs> Hold everyone, we're name checking. <laughs> yeah, you're okay, right. Okay, good. Phew. <laughs> well, so like so many other things, we were right about Magda Gerber's name. <laughs> oh, that's what everybody tunes in for. Yeah, I think so. Just names and to check whether we're right about things. Um, okay, well, I think I think that was a good unpack. Do you have any I... last thoughts or suggestions or advices? No, I just please if you're working with children, <laughs> find a, find a way to get this get this knowledge. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just one thing, like think about your day and what's the one thing that really yeah. is kind of hard for you or the one thing you're really good at because that can be really validating too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's certainly part of the process is learning that some of the things you do are already really good. And unpacking it a little bit more and maybe figuring out why, looking at it deeper. So I do handle the transition from helping kids transition from mom and dad to the classroom. Well, what looking at it, development, what are you doing without even yeah. realizing <laughs> you're doing the right thing? Uh-huh. Right. Right. And because because you do need that, you can't just and, and I hope that no one thinks that we just said 
everybody is garbage and no one's doing no. anything right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because we all absolutely have things that we can learn more about um, always. But but it's also really good to – that's another great thing about reading or going to a workshop mm-hmm. or taking a class is because a lot of times you find out that you're doing a good job. Exactly. <laughs> and you already have some stuff under control. And that's where it can also be really nice if you have a mentor – either someone who's actually in your program with you uh-huh. or just someone else in the field, you know, that can look at you and say, Hey, you're doing an awesome job in this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes such a so. difference. I, I mean, honestly, I think that side by side coaching and mentoring is the answer, but financially, realistically, how do we train those people? It- that's a whole it it is i guess i guess where i'm thinking is sometimes we can be so quick to say oh that person's just a warm body yeah and complain about other people in our programs but how often are we then going alongside them trying to help Mm -hmm. them grow in the field so i guess i'm just thinking for me personally yeah those words come out of my mouth pretty quickly, but am I actually helping the teacher down the hall or am I just bitching about them because right. I don't like what they're doing? Right. Cause I, I'm guilty of that too, for sure. Just being annoyed and not trying to do anything to support mm-hmm. or, or help or any of that kind of stuff. But I hope I'm getting better at that. That's been one of my areas of growth for a few years now. <laughs> I'm I'm sure you are. Oh, thank you. Sure, I'm sure you are. Okay, well, let's end let's end with that. You telling me that I'm doing it right. Okay, Heather, you're awesome. <laughs> no, thank you, Josie, so much for recording and talking. It's always fun to talk to you. Thanks for having and, me. Uh, say hello to Juliet and thank her for sharing you with us. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Hope you'll tune in again for another episode of the podcast. We'll see you later. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on.